Todd shares his approval of the new Lion Cub by shining light down at the appropriate moment. Hopefully he'll save Simba's dad when the time comes, too. And welcome to Earbuds and Earworms. I'm Amy, bookish girl in the French countryside shepherd, and this is... Mitchell Manley, same initials as Mickey Mouse. Coincidence? You decide. I don't know. I haven't seen y'all in the same, like, room. That's true. So, I can't... Uh, Mitchell, is there something you want to, like, publicly admit to now? I'm not going to publicly admit to anything. (laughs) However, when the mics are off, we may or may not reveal a secret identity, which may or may not be Mickey Mouse. That's what you've been hiding under all that hair for all these years. That's why you waited. Yeah, you wanted to, um, uh, like, just wait till everything was shut down to reveal your ears. (laughs) Right, exactly. And then you didn't have to go out in public. So, I see you. I know what you did. (laughs) Um, this week's episode is, it's Disney songs. How did yeah. we get here? I think you suggested kids songs or children's songs. And, uh, I've been like thinking about a bunch of Disney songs recently as well. Um, the Mulan songs always in my head anyway. And so <laughs> I figured, you know, if we're going to go kids songs, let's just go super specific. I know we have a bunch of ear buddies that are big fans of Disney. So, uh, I knew we'd get some good responses for that one. It's not because Disney decided that they're going to reopen their parks? No, although probably subconsciously that that may have been part of why they were on my mind because that is pretty ridiculous. I think I remember the first time I was like super into Disney was um, a very conservative family that would listen to a conservative talk radio. And there was this call to boycott Disney in the early 90s because they offered insurance to partners Uh, like same-sex partners right and i was like i think i'm really into disney now and you know i was listening to you know conservative talk radio and they're all hating on it but i was like no i think that makes sense so other than that disney's done some other stuff that's super sketch and the disney the man might have been super sketch i mean yeah for sure whether or not his head is frozen somewhere uh he seems i don't know (laughs) yeah i'm not sure um what song did you bring this week? All right, so I'm going to start us off with Gonna Take You There from The Princess and the Frog. Hey, Cousin Randy, you ready for a little bayou out of call? Ready when you are, Cousin Ray. All right, Lulu, let's get to it, darling. Come on, champ. Just follow the bouncing butt. We're going to take you down, we're going to take you down, we're going to take you all the way down. We're going to take you down, we're going to take you down, we're going to take you all the way So I was born in 1987. So obviously the 90s Disney is where all my nostalgia lies. And, you know, since I don't have kids, I haven't really bothered to keep up with most of the Disney stuff, you know, from the 2000s onward. 
but I'll never forget seeing this movie and just loving every second of it and sort of realizing that Disney movies can still be incredibly enjoyable as an adult. Uh, and this one was definitely worth watching. Uh, of course, from the musical standpoint, it shouldn't surprise anyone that I would love the music. It's all written by Randy Newman, who I've procra- proclaimed a great love for uh, many a time on this podcast. Uh, most folks probably know that he did the songs for all the Toy Story movies, uh, but he also did A Bug's Life, Monsters, Inc., Cars, uh, James and the Giant Peach, and of course, Princess and the Frog. And since this story takes place in New Orleans, Randy Newman wrote this super upbeat like Zydeco jam for the movie. And, you know, despite popular opinions on the accordion, I absolutely love Zydeco music, of which the accordion is a prominent fixture. I know like most folks probably think of polka when they think of accordions, and I can see why most folks may not be into that. But Zydeco is just some of the most grooving, danceable, joyous music I've ever heard. And I love how it can turn something kind of stiff and boring like an accordion into something so much more soul and significant Uh, and although it doesn't just go nuts in this particular song I I think it does provide a certain feel and authenticity that just can't be replicated in any other way to kind of get that New Orleans sound and spirit going in the movie you know it's Zydeca Zydeco 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 so I call it Zydeco because I'm lame and I've only ever read the term so now, now I know what this music is Yay, I've learned something already, and we're only one song in. Um, Yeah, this is just that simply lovely kind of Louisiana music, which I'm going to... Zydeco, right? Yeah, the the, the (laughs) emphasis is on that very first syllable, and the other ones just fall out. Zydeco. Zydeco. There you go, perfect. (laughs) I try. I'm going to forget again soon. Don't worry. Um, It's just upbeat and joyous, and I love Cajun accents and sort of deep Southern, and there's like, you know, cousin whoever and uh, the mama and all that stuff, and I just, I kind of like that. Like, I know the South gets a bad rap for good reason for many things, but like, you know, that kind of culture... Uh, just like the closeness and like, hey, we're going to go down and do this together type of thing makes sense. Um, Also, if you are a Southerner, you know not to follow the directions of any gator. Uh, Duh. And always follow the lightning bugs, right? That's Mm -hmm. what you have to do. Um, I should see this movie. I have yet to see this movie. There are a ton of Disney films that I have not seen since like I've become an adult because... sure. Yeah, like I said, we were 90s kids. Um, my daughter does not like know a lot of Disney films because I am a uh, frugal person who never got cable and also does not have Disney Plus. And so Ella does has limited exposure to like the Disney realm. So other than like Dakota saying, we're going to go see Moana, she doesn't really have like a lot of exposure to that. And um, I guess I probably should have like jumped on that. Uh, she's just seen a lot of the DVDs that I love instead of, you know, right. you only, you only let Ella watch criterion films, you know, she can <laughs> yes. only watch films that feature John Cassavetes, uh, only <laughs> and only French, uh, French children's, uh, cartoons really. <laughs> right. That's about it. That's but, um, I mean, honestly, like I wish that she maybe had more exposure to it. But even today, like in my Facebook memories, I got like, uh, I was upset about somebody being mad at me that my daughter doesn't know who Mickey Mouse is. And I was like, I don't know if that's like the most important thing, but whatever. Um, 
yeah, the nostalgic films from my childhood are definitely what she loves. And I really need to see uh, The Princess and the Frog because yeah, I, know I can't that, that vouch was... for a lot of them, but I can certainly vouch for that one. It is really, really good and definitely worth watching. Yeah, and I heard that it's groundbreaking. Like, of course, she was like the first, uh, the first uh, black princess, which is why right. I really should have seen it because I should know that. Um, honestly, I should have seen this film, but I haven't yet. We'll um, get on it. Yeah, we'll get on it. Uh, I resisted the urge to bring Alice in Wonderland every song, and I ended up bringing um, Beauty and the Beast, Be Our Guest. Be Our Guest, Be Our Guest, Be Our Guest. Life is so unnerving for a servant who's not serving. He's not whole without a soul to wait upon. Ah, those good old days when we were useful. Suddenly those good old days are gone. Ten years we've been rusting, needing so much more than dusting, needing exercise, a chance to use our skills. Most days we just lay around the castle. Flat, be fat and lazy, you walked in and oops a daisy! It's a guess, it's a guess, sakes alive that I'll be blessed. Wine's been poured and thank the Lord I've had the napkins freshly pressed. With this old she'll want tea, and my dear that's fine with me. While the cups do this, I'll shoo it, I'll be bubbling, I'll be brewing. I'll get warm, I've been hot, heaven's sakes is that a spot? Clean it up, we Uh, this is sung by Angela Lansbury and Jerry Orbach. Um... I love all the songs in this movie. It's like my absolute favorite childhood Disney film. Uh, something about it's just so beautiful. Um, yeah, it was hard to choose a specific song. And I chose this one because I love this song. I mean, well, I love all of the songs. But the food is weird. And there's this weird gray stuff that's like gray and purple. And it's goop. And you're supposed to try it. And I always like that. Their choral flourishes are just amazing. And like their spoon choreography, which brings me so much joy. For a song that suggests drowning in your feelings in food, I highly approve. Also, Angela Lansbury as a teapot. Of course, most folks think that my uh, my teapot tattoo is actually Mrs. Potts, but it's not. It's just completely different. But I've always loved Angela Lansbury in this role. She's such a joy. And her child, for some reason, I'm pretty sure she is a 61-year-old teapot, but she has a small, like, four-year-old teacup child. And I've always loved his little Chip, and his name was Chip, and I loved it. And so, it's so good. I love everything about this song, and it makes me hungry every single time. <laughs> And, and Beauty and the Beast is just one of the best of all time. I mean, what a great movie. Yeah, like um, if you'd watched me like typing up my notes, I was like picking all sorts of the different songs. I was like, no, I got to choose one. <laughs> but before I, I do my little bit, I have to ask if you've seen, did you ever watch uh, Kimmy Schmidt, the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? I think I watched like the first two seasons. So there's there's an episode where she's in this fancy restaurant and they're trying to kick her out. And she's like <laughs> acting like she's French. She's pretending to be French. <laughs> but she's just yelling out, like sounding like she's insulted and incensed. She's just yelling out characters from Beauty and the Beast. Just, Gaston! Lumiere! And just like sounds insulted, but she's just saying names from Beauty and the Beast. And it kills me every time. And I just I'm- think it's so funny and I had to bring it up. I have to watch it. I totally have to watch that now. <laughs> it just it makes you sound disgusted in French. It's just very good. Anyway, I love it. <laughs> uh, this is definitely one of the catchiest tunes in Disney history, uh, written by the famous Disney composer Alan Menken, who we'll definitely talk about more, you know, later on this episode. 
Uh, it's also worth noting that, you know, a lot of times Disney movies will have voice actors for the speaking bits and professional singers for the musical numbers. Uh, but in Beauty and the Beast, Jerry Orbach and Angela Lansbury did the voices for the characters in the film, as well as doing all the singing themselves, too, which is super impressive and I think worth highlighting. Uh, the song definitely goes on a journey over its duration, which I think is part of what makes it so great. It starts out very posh and rather minimal, uh, but by the chorus, the strings and the choir vocals come in. And then for the second verse, the choir not only providing the harmonies and the callbacks to the lyrics, but also making the sort of chaotic cacophony of voices that kind of parallels the dishes rattling around and dancing on their own accord. And then, then the energy drops back out a little bit right before Angela Lansbury's verse. And then when she jumps in, it's back Back to high energy and then at the end of her verse you get this big dramatic slowdown right before the huge climactic ending uh, where they're using all the tricks at once and shooting off all the musical fireworks and in, in one big grand f finale and it's just this perfect composition from a songwriting standpoint and even more impressive that Orbach and Lansbury are giving such like stellar vocal performances in this one she should get so much credit for her range at her age at this time Right, yeah. I mean, like, I was thinking, I was like, oh. I mean, it's, I mean, of course, every Disney film sing-alongable. But, yeah, I was like, you can barely keep up with Angela Lansbury. And she was like, Broadway and whatever London's version of Broadway is. So, she's like, so legit. Is she like a dame yet? I don't know, but she probably should be. Yeah, she totally should be. Um, of course... There are a ton of us millennials like hanging out in the earbuds and earworms like suggestions like all the time. So, of course, we have like a lot of like really, really like nostalgic stuff for me. And I'm like super excited about this. And then Dakota got super excited. But we'll go into all of this later. Um, our first earbuddies are Courtney and Lauren, who suggested Le Poisson from The Little Mermaid. Poisson, Le Poisson, how I love Le Poisson. Love to chop and to serve little fish. First I cut off their heads and I pull out their bones. I'm a weak, ça c'est toujours délicieux. Le poisson, le poisson, he he he, ha ha ha. With a cleaver I hack them in two. I pull out what's inside and I serve it. My God, I love little fishes, don't you? Here's something for tempting the palate. Prepared in the classic technique. First you pound the fish flat with the mallet. Then you slash through the skin, give them belly a slice. Then you rub some salt in, cause that makes it taste nice. <gasps> Zut, alors, I have missed one. Sacrable, what is this? How on earth could I miss such a sweet little succulent crab? Quel dommage, what a loss. Here we go in the sauce. Now some flour, I think just for that. Courtney says, I literally watch the Disney sing-alongs they've been streaming on Hulu and sing loudly from my couch when the kids aren't even here. But other than the one you posted, this is the one I sing the most. It's so much fun to throw on a terrible French accent. Ha, ha, ha. The new Frozen has some absolute bops too. First of all, The Little Mermaid is like, golden age disney the food while it's supposed to be grotesque and of course i'm like referencing my own song here because the food of course in this disney thing i just have always loved it like the way he like squishes the fish while he's doing it and then the lettuce <laughs> that sebastian's like running around i love it and you know like after this whole song thing happens and they serve the dishes and like he's supposed to be under the lettuce and he skittered away and there's like the little crumbs freaking love it 
I just love it. Okay, I'm like totally millennial geeking out. Sorry. Uh, the stuffing of the crab, and I'm pretty sure it's not supposed to be my reaction, but I love it. And it's like, uh, he stuffed you, but he's like, but it doesn't hurt because you're dead. So I don't know. Was I metal before it was cool? Not sure. And then it goes into the can-can whenever Sebastian's escaping, and I love it. It's super good. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, the, the Little Mermaid has so many great songs. This is definitely one of the most fun. Uh, I don't know whether it's offensive or not, but truly throwing on that fake accent is so much fun, especially doing the ha ha ha. You know, it's it's definitely a, a primo song to gear toward kids as well, not only because you get to don a silly accent, but also the song is like really upbeat and fun. And that's contrasted with these like kind of brutal lyrics about chopping up the fish and like trying to stuff Sebastian the crab with the herbs and spices and that weird dichotomy of like happy music with goofy lyrics about mutilating your food. <laughs> Uh, definitely let, made young Mitchell laugh his ass off. But did it also influence you to stop eating critters? Because you're seeing Sebastian like wa- like horrified while watching essentially his fellow like citizens be murdered before his eyes. It's pretty crazy. And for a moment, I was like, hey, there's there's a, a part where I could kind of stand on my soapbox. But I actually <laughs> do still eat seafood. So I'm a, I'm a piece of shit in that regard. So I can't stand <laughs> oh. on the soapbox here. Um, you're a pescatarian, I guess. Correct, yeah. But I, I try to do my best to 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 not eat that most of the time, but it's a very convenient thing on most menus. Like I can go to a Mexican restaurant and, and get like a shrimp chimichanga or something and yeah. get that extra um, dose of protein if I need it. And they're also saying like uh, the reason why it's easier for people to eat fish is because they look so foreign to us. But if you look mm-hmm. like a cow, like if you look at a cow, they look very sympathetic and fish mm-hmm. um i know there are fish lovers out there fish look less sympathetic because they look less like us um mm-hmm. but yeah i mean dude I, i'm not gonna shame you i just ate beef so right sorry your favorite food is hot dogs so <laughs> i know and that's every meat and who right, knows yeah. what else it's probably some like fuzz from the floor too it's uh, yeah i cannot judge anyone um our next everybody is Will K, who brings You're Welcome from Moana. What can I say except you're welcome for the tides, the sun, the sky? Hey, it's okay, it's okay, you're welcome. I'm just an ordinary demiguy. Hey, what has two thumbs and pulled up the sky? When you were waddling, yay, hide this guy. When the nights got cold, who stole you fire from down below? <laughs> Look at Adam, yo! Oh, also I lasso the sun. You're welcome to stretch your days and bring you fun. Also I harness the breeze. You're welcome to fill your sails and shake your trees. So what can I say except you're welcome for the islands I pulled from the sea? There's no need to pray, it's okay, you're welcome. Ha. I guess it's just my way of being me. You're welcome, you're welcome. Welcome to think of it. Kid, honestly, I could This is also one of my favorite songs from Disney. Uh, Ella got to see this in uh, the movie theaters. Thanks to my darling husband, who is like more reasonable than I am. He's like, we're going to go see this movie. And I was like, okay. And I fell in love with it. I even learned this song on ukulele. Actually, this is like the of the new Disney. This is like my favorite. Um, 
I don't know. It's there's like story time within the song that makes me happy. It's fun to sing to. It's Dwayne Johnson or Dwayne the Rock Johnson. And there's just so much joy in the song. But then it's like him scheming and it's like fabulous. I love it. Yeah, so I still haven't seen Moana and I really need to You that. are committing a sin. It yeah, is so good. It's so much better than you think it is. I'm I'm positive it is. It's gotta be great. And like I know the music was written by Lynn Manuel Miranda, who wrote uh, you know, the current Broadway sensation Hamilton, among plenty of other great musicals and songs for musicals. So naturally the music's gonna be high level compositions, but written with like perfect parsimony to kind of appeal to a mass audience and this song's a perfect example of that. Um, lots of clever musical devices and vocal theatrics. I'm also pleasantly surprised that Dwayne The Rock Johnson is such a great and charismatic singer. Uh, you know, he's already such a beast in the world of athletics, and his time in professional wrestling probably helped him hone some of those acting chops. Uh, but he legitimately seems to have a natural talent for acting and even, like, comedic performance. So I definitely know I'm probably missing out big time on, on Moana. I promise to catch up. Oh, like I would take time to like rent it or like chill out what like five bucks or whatever to like get it on the internets or something Mm -hmm. because it is so good. You know who Jermaine Clinic Clement is? Yep. He's Um, uh, yeah. Fight of the Concords. He's in here as like a giant crab and (laughs) it's it's great. It is so great. But uh, it's it's something that I've watched multiple times as a parent. And if you I mean, I never got forced to watch Frozen, but this one is enjoyable. And so I, I don't know, maybe I would like Frozen, but I really love Moana. It's so good. It's so good. Um, and there's a chicken in it. And I really like the chicken. Actually, I swear this is like the show where I'm just going to be like, I love it so much. This is the show um, where Amy regresses into a, a seven-year-old. Yes, which is fine. It's fine. I was seven when a, a lot of these f- films came out. Um, our next year buddy is Brandon, who brings a whole new world from Aladdin. I can open your eyes. Take you wonder by wonder Over sideways and under On a magic carpet ride A whole new world A new fantastic point of view No one to tell us no Or where to go Or say we're only dreaming says i thought this would be the first thing posted and i'm like yes you are correct it, it should have been posted first i don't know there's so many things that they're so good all of them are good um this is just another one of those golden age of 90s disney films that were like about strong-headed women falling in love with the local bad boys composition wise this is one of the freaking best there's strings there's flutes it's just effing great. The definition of a perfect duet. And there's like a cloud that gets shaped into some ice cream. Oh, there is. Uh, yeah. So this is easily one of my 
all-time favorite Disney songs, like top five probably. Uh, usually I'm not one for the slower, more emotional songs in musical films, but this one just packs so much energy and wonder and passion. And, you know, although it starts out kind of meek and unsuspecting, it really amplifies and transcends by the end of the song. Uh, the interlocking male and female vocal parts, calling and responding, and then coalescing into harmony, uh, and even taking like some unusual and sort of like attention-grabbing harmonies in the climax of the song to like really drive home those emotions to the max. Uh, the song was performed in the movie by Leah Solana and Brad Kane, both incredible performers. And if you search on YouTube, there's several incredible live performances from them. And they just harmonize and blend so beautifully well. I get goosebumps every time they do those little contrasting harmonies. Uh, this is also probably a great time to toss back to the composer, Alan Menken, uh, who composed music for pretty much all of those early 90s Disney films. Um, the Little Mermaid, all him, including Le Poisson, which we already heard, uh, along with the songs from Aladdin. He also did uh, the songs from Beauty and the Beast, including the one that you brought. Uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hercules, Enchanted, Tangled, several more. So if you love the soundtracks for those 90s Disney movies, you probably owe some royalties to Alan Menken. I I probably would toss him a couple of bucks. because Yeah, I think you I, owe that guy some money. I mean, man, as many times as I'm like, a whole new world. Actually, if somebody mentions like new world, I'm like going to bust it out into that song. It's not going to be in key, but still, I'm going to try because it's a great freaking song and oh my gosh jafar is like one of the best villains and True. if you work it yeah like early 90s villains were like the best villains and going into that our next ear buddy jenny she brought be prepared from the lion king the lights are not all on upstairs but we are talking kings and successions even you can't be caught unawares oh! Oh, for the chance of a lifetime be prepared for sensational news. A shining new era is tiptoeing nearer. And where do we feature? Just listen to teacher. I know it sounds sordid, but you'll be rewarded when at last I am given my dues. And injustice deliciously square. Duties on board. The future is littered with prizes. She says, okay, and let's be real, this is still the best villain song. Though there are a lot of contenders. I swear Disney making all the bad guys so charismatic is half of what's wrong with me now. <laughs> Agreed. Like, come on, you all thought Scar was pretty cool. Like, you know, because he had like he was like kind of slinking around in the background. Super, super sketchy dude. Disney villains are indeed the most excellent, especially those early 90s villains. Love them. Delivery, so extremely convincing. Jeremy Irons is the singer on this, and he also voiced it. Getting back to that point, much mm -hmm. like Angela Lansbury. Um, 
sing he like it's just super evil and the song is just super militaristic but also my motto for life be prepared and fill your pockets with prevantic so that you can always scrub the hub <laughs> inside the room so that you can give your iv drugs but um yeah and also the imagery that they used in this specific like sequence was like super scary 1940s level scary you know right yeah yeah also yeah, this- cheech was one of the hyenas Yep, Cheech, Whoopi Goldberg, and I can't remember who the other one was. I don't know. Cheech I think it was may have been that... Jim Cummings, actually, the guy who voices Tigger and a million other cartoon characters. <laughs> I don't know. Cheech uh, just Winnie shocked me. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, this is definitely one of my favorites as well. It seems like villains often get the best songs, and I think part of that is that a good villain has to be extra charismatic so that you not only hate them, but you see the charm that they use to get their way, and it kind of makes your negative feelings toward them a little more fiery because you get to see through their bullshit, but they're fooling the characters in the story. So like when you get someone like Jeremy Irons, who's just like so goddamn charismatic, you don't even need to see him to be enthralled by him. You just give him the darkest slickest song of the movie of course he's going to outshine everyone else uh and the rest of the lion king has some amazing songs written by elton john of all people but but jeremy irons his charisma and vocal delivery just knocked this song way out of the park it's amazing i think this is one of the first films that i went multiple times to the movie theater to see like begging my parents to take me to the movies uh to see this film because it was so good and i think it came out in like 95 right or 94 the lion king i think it was 94 yeah so i was nine and i was like um we're bored right now and i know i don't make any money but please let's go see this movie and i saw it probably like four or five times because my parents were super super nice or maybe i don't know i don't know what i was doing to get my way but it was awesome that and toy story um so good that's like one of the best films (sighs) Whatever, it's just me goofing. <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm such a millennial. It's so obvious. Um, our next ear buddy is Timmy, Timothy, who brings Chili Down from Labyrinth. Don't got no problem. No problem. Ain't got no suit. No suitcase. Ain't got no clothes to worry about. No clothes to worry about. Ain't got no real estate to worry about. My no no real <laughs> I just go in my shit. Go in with the says it's a cop-out but this song slaps i have not seen labyrinth enough and i completely forgot about this song uh much like the characters this song does indeed have some chaos going on uh it's i guess it's chilly down is pretty much hanging with the fire gang but like singing with a detached head is pretty magnificent now i was reviewing the songs before we were listening to this and um dakota's like ah. Fire gang, I can't stand those guys. And he uh, said, 
Yeah, he he said that it totally freaked him out as a kid that they were like taking their heads off and throwing them around. Mm -hmm. And he's like, even now they still freak me out. And that was like the entire comment section on YouTube was talking about how like these people freaked him out. That's so insane to me because this is like by leaps and bounds my favorite part of Labyrinth. Um, yes, whatever. Uh uh. Bowie. Bowie, dude, Bowie, come on, dude, Bowie's great. Don't get me wrong; he's contact juggling with the Fushigi. It's really neat looking, but the cod piece. Did you not get distracted by the cod piece? The fire gang. So (laughs) yeah, this one, this one took some justifying and and kind of relying on spurious connections to qualify. Uh, But it's one of my favorite songs from what could ostensibly be called a kids' film. So I wanted to find a way to include it this week. Uh, Labyrinth wasn't really a Disney film since it was made by Jim Henson and George Lucas, but over the years, Disney has acquired the rights to a lot of Jim Henson properties, as well as now owning George Lucas's Lucasfilm brand. So now in 2020, Labyrinth is technically, through some bureaucracy and paperwork, a Disney film. And through that circuitous logic, I get to tell you about the best song in that movie. So I'm not sure what exactly makes me love this song so much, but obviously the sort of like reggae Islander vibe is fun and super chill. And I love like the call and response thing and the verses. And in the movie, the fire gang are just like the most fun characters that she comes across, even though they're like throwing their heads around. And they do, they say that there's a rule that you can throw your own head, but you can't throw other people's heads. But then they proceed to just throw everyone's head. They don't, they completely disregard their rule after the first couple of heads get tossed. And they're trying to like steal her head and they're really mad. And then she like, like takes all their heads and throws them. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like I, I have, for some reason, I forgot this song completely. Oh, it's, it's so good. And like, this is one of the only ones that David Bowie isn't on at all. And it's still my favorite by leaps and bounds. (laughs) It's just so good. And still not the, it's still not the darkest scene that Jennifer Connelly's been a part of. That's that's <laughs> most certainly true, thanks to Darren Aronofsky. I was like, I still, like, when I see her, I'm just like, oh, you know, I saw that one movie, and that was rough. That yeah. was rough. Yeah, that's the, whew. The, so back, to, back to the happy stuff. <laughs> let's go back to our happy place. Um, our final ear buddy is Lum, who brings eye to eye from a goofy movie. Got myself a says this is the way um this is so very much inspired by prince michael jackson i believe it's like 
a beacon of 90s. It's like an amalgam of like early 90s pop. This is uh, this is where I started moving away from watching Disney films. And I don't know, like the sad the sad part of the a Goofy movie is like the saddest thing in the world because me and my dad were like best friends. And like when they have like their big fight, I found it to be the most devastating thing. Like, sure, Bambi's mom can die, but like... Goofy and Goofy's son cannot get in a fight. So, yes, I, uh, yeah, definitely had an issue. Uh, I was way more into the orchestral stuff that Disney did, so this was, like, much more modern. I, uh, also, I was reviewing before the show, and Dakota, um, after he figured out this was very obviously a Disney-themed episode, was, like, he just burst into song to this and like mm-hmm. start swinging like a dishcloth enthusiastically while cooking dinner. So yes. I, I believe that's his favorite. And he's like, I think Prince wrote this. Um, but that's not exactly what happened. Yeah. So, so I was, I was going to tell you that Dakota needs to go into the trash because he doesn't like the wild gang in Labyrinth. But <laughs> since he was dancing around enthusiastically to eye to eye, I'll, I'll cut him some slack. He's been um, forgiven. <laughs> yeah, L- Lum is definitely playing to the judge bringing this one. Uh, this is one of my all-time favorite feel-good jams, even outside of the Disney context. This song just brings out my sunshine. Uh, it's so bright-sounding, and that like stop-and-go funk groove just gets my blood pumping. Uh, there's 100% some Michael Jackson and Prince worship happening here, and I'll be the first in line to buy what they're selling. It's like <laughs> those those fat synth lines and like the gospel-y vocals are straight out of a Michael Jackson songbook, and those off-kilter drum beats and the wailing phased out guitar leads may as well have just been sampled from Prince. Even the guitar tone is just dead on to his sound. Uh, the lead vocals are an R&B legend, a guy named Tevin Campbell, and his range and delivery is just on full blast here, and it's accented by the gospel choir vocals and some acrobatic vocal runs from Rosie Gaines to really help draw you in, and this song is just designed to make you want to move. And, you know, not content with making you move your body, they hit you with that key change in the middle, too, <laughs> and it's like simultaneously tugs at the heartstrings and also kicks the song into high gear for the big finish. Just such a perfect song. Gets me so hype. I'm going to start using it as my alarm clock to get me up and motivated every day. Just like every morning. <laughs> if we listen to it, just <laughs> yeah, Well, if you're going to choose that, it's either that or um, Pinkie Pie's Smile song, which I still use because that's that's who I am as a person. Sure. Um, did Prince write this? I, I don't believe that he did. I think that Tevin Campbell was somehow in the realm of being like in the circle or something of Prince, but that's like the closest I could get. Dakota declared that it was written by Prince, but I don't think it was. It does have that same kind of naming convention where it's like letters and numbers as opposed to language. Um, but yeah, that's like the closest I could get. Um, either way, this, this episode made me so happy. I don't know if you could tell. For sure. This is definitely, uh, (laughs) one of my favorites in a while. Yes. Is, is so much fun. Now, um, we, uh, (laughs) we can be tweeted at, especially, I mean, look, there's like decades of songs that we did not cover. Uh, so obviously if you want to tweet us, us your absolute favorite Disney song, you can tweet at Mitchell. I'm at pow. I gotcha. I'm at Madam Woolite and the show is at END pod. You can always check us out on the internets with all the other millennials, apparently. 
Earbuds and Earworms podcast group. The voicemail line is 731-400-BUDS or 731-400-2837. You can email a show, indiepod at gmail.com. Instead of being like those scammy people that's making us listen to like the same pop song, I don't know who you guys are, but like stop. I think one of them's named Zoe, but <laughs> like I don't think they're real people. I'm pretty sure they're not, but you can email us too. Whatever, and Zoe doesn't have to email us. They can be more. Sorry. <laughs> um, you can check out the show, endpod.com, for the 10710 network. And, Mitchell, what last part of gleeful Disney juiciness are you going to bring us tonight? So this one is no surprise. I, I threw it in the, in the uh, prompt for the thread this week. I'll make a man out of you from Mulan. Uh, I've definitely brought this song to the show before a long time ago. But it's just so damn catchy and well-produced. The vocals are from uh, Donny Osmond, which is pretty cool. But the arrangement of the music is what really gets me about this one. Lots of punchy accents and catches, so the song has like this really strong push and pull to it. And the drums are just perfectly in pocket, and they never overplay. But there's this power and finesse in the drummer's playing. And the way he like subtly dances around the beat and changes the accents. And he gradually opens up his playing as they reach the huge climax of the song. And of course, it's a key change again. And as that final <laughs> verse and chorus hits us after the key change, the drumming and all the other epic instrumentation just locks into this final explosion of power and perseverance. It just sends us over the edge toward adventure. It's just so catchy, so powerful. So I hope you guys will get pumped to I'll Make a Man Out of You from Mulan. <laughs>
as the coursing river With all the force of a great typhoon With all the strength of a raging fire Mysterious as the dark side of the moon Scar pretty much had no choice but to be a villain since his parents named him Scar and he was born with evil eyes.